0: This is the Apex United Methodist Church podcast. These seasons, or this season of Advent, and these Sundays within the season, your staff has chosen uh, particular themes that correspond to the lighting of the Advent wreath. And this season, or this Sunday, is the theme of peace. And the text that was given to us for the preaching of the day was and is the Ephesian text, which I will now read to you. Ephesians 2, beginning the reading at verse 13. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he is our peace. In His flesh, He has made both groups into one and has broken down the dividing wall that is the hostility between us. He has abolished the law with His commandments and ordinances that He might create in Himself one new humanity in place of the two, thus making peace. And might reconcile both groups to God in one body through the cross. Thus putting to death that hostility through it. So he came and proclaimed peace to you who were far off and a peace to those who were near. For through him, both of us have access in one spirit to the Father. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are citizens with the saints and also members of the household of God. Built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets. With Christ Jesus Himself as the cornerstone. In Him, the whole structure is joined together and grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are built together spiritually into a dwelling place for God. The Word of God for the people of God. Well, I now understand why you have to be young in order to be a minister and a staff at this church. (laughs) This is round three. You know, I I, I probably exercise maybe three or four times a day, three or four times a week, maybe a couple of miles maybe at a time. I feel like all of a sudden I'm on a marathon. (laughs) Uh, I brought my lemon and I brought my boost. It's all back there in the in the office or robing room fortunately the coffee bar gave me a good espresso (laughs) to get me through this service but it's great to be here I probably need some credibility to be here because I'm an outsider I'm a stranger so see if I can develop some credibility would it help to let you know that I went to seminary with Henry Loveless I I, I get some ah ahas. yes. You know, Henry Loveless and I were in seminary together. Uh, I was, Henry was such an inspiration because some of those folks had been in other careers and left those careers, lucrative jobs. I just came from Carolina right over to Duke. So I didn't have any of those challenges, but Henry was there. Also, Larry Coates, Larry is a part of this congregation, is chair of the Academy for, has been the chair of the Academy for Leadership Excellence where I work now. And Grace Southern and I were on the cabinet with the Bishop Gwen together. And, and then uh, Tim Catlett was a graduate, is a graduate of our fellows program at the Academy. Uh, am I developing any credibility yet? Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, one more, one more. Uh, uh, Amanda Dean, that I'm filling in for today, Amanda Dean, I was on the search team that brought her to UNC Chapel Hill the Wesley Campus Ministry, and then I had the good fortune of a few years later to officiate at her wedding. And I, there are a few colleagues, some old like uh, Hugh Cameron, and some new like Amy, and uh, others of you I see that are, are part of my life and covenant community, so it's good to be here. Your credibility just lost it. <laughs> 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 Don't, don't. Uh, You know, we we have to admit it, we are old, we are old, I am old, yeah, I invite you to pray with me. Prince of Peace, come and fall around us, over us, within us, that we might hear again your word of peace and reconciliation to our lives and most importantly to our world. Come, Prince of Peace. Amen. Robert Frost is a wonderful poet, and he has written one of, I think, one of the my favorite poems is "Mending a Wall." It's, it's really a work of genius. He he writes this poem as if it, you feel as if he's in the beginning of history, the primordial nature of humankind and he's he's suggesting that we have created these walls in order to identify our property our territory and keep other people out but he's really focusing on new england farms sometimes those farms up in new england and new hampshire vermont are called rock farms because they have so many rocks and there is a, a ritual every spring after the winter and the thaw has come, there is a ritual up there in the spring of mending the wall. And he says that after the winter, uh, some of those gaps in the rock wall are wide enough that two people can walk abreast. And then he says, fences make good neighbors. But then he suggests that you have to be careful because who you fence in means you fence out somebody else. You don't want to be in a fence, so be careful who you fence in and who you fence out. And then he closes near the end, he says, but there's something in me that doesn't love a wall, wants a wall down. I suggest to you, that's really the theme of the Bible. Actually, it is the theme that unites both Old and New Testaments, that God does not love a wall. That God does not accept a wall. God does not tolerate a wall. When the kingdom of God is complete, there will be no wall, and we will be one family. We see something of a wall at that first nativity. I, I know it's a sort of symbolic, but Luke is trying to help us see as Mary and Joseph go to Bethlehem for the birth of this child, they encounter a wall. There's no place for them to go. They're on the outside. And so therefore they have to find a a stable, a barn for that child to be born. Uh, We've waited for centuries for this savior of the world and yet the world has rejected and yet he has received us. Something of a wall. There's something in us that doesn't love a wall. In the New Testament lesson which was given to me today is is Paul's letter to the church at Ephesus. Paul says this Christ is the shalom, the peace that now calls all of us from being aliens and strangers now to be of one body. He says particularly, we once were far off. What he means by that is that as a Jew, I would have nothing to do with Gentiles, but no longer because of this Prince of Peace, this Christ, we are now one. We are no longer strangers or aliens The dividing wall of hostility is down. There's something in us that doesn't love a wall, doesn't want a wall. Uh, Jesus demonstrated that, didn't he, in his ministry? Jesus tried to be the Messiah to the Jews, but also was equally the Messiah for the Gentiles. Jesus would heal Jairus' daughter. Jairus was the leader of the synagogue. He would heal Jairus' daughter, and then he went across the street and heal the Roman centurion's servant, a Gentile. Jesus would perform a a miracle with the multitudes in Galilee, the Jews, and then go over to Tyre and Sidon and do another miracle of feeding the Gentiles. He would spend time with the Pharisees, the Jews, and then hang out with the sinners who were some Gentiles. You see, Jesus had a problem with barriers and boundaries. For them, for Jesus, they were always down. Particularly if they were holding his codes and laws, he was always transcending those walls, dismantling those boundaries. You invite Jesus over for a tomato sandwich, didn't matter who you were, he'd come. He welcomed. And extended hospitality, the walls are down with Jesus. But you know, sometimes for us, it's not that easy, is it? Uh, we we build some walls sometimes. Our hospitality is not all that good at times. I don't know about you. Uh, a wonderful custom at, at Christmas is the open house. How many of you had open house yet at your place? Well, you got you, you got one week left. You better get busy. Got one week left. Well, one of those things that you sometimes have if you have an open house, even if you don't have an open house, over the threshold of a, a room, or from one room to the next a doorway, or over a door, you hang a, a sprig of mistletoe. And of course, if that's the case, then you want to make sure you invite the right people over. And if you're under that mistletoe, you, they get a kiss. You get a kiss. Well, that custom goes back to the Celtics, to the Druids, who believed that in oak trees there was sacred divine power. And especially if there was mistletoe in that tree. If enemies found themselves under that tree, under that mistletoe, they were to drop their defenses, their offenses, and be reconciled. When the Christian missionaries got to Northern Europe, they understood and came to understand this custom and said, that's a perfect symbol of Christmas. That as the Christ child is born, the Prince of Peace, we are to be reconciled with one another. We are to be ambassadors of peace and the walls are down well sadly we we build walls and sometimes the walls that we build are kind of picky as for example in terms of hospitality sometimes I think we get Christian hospitality and southern hospitality confused there is a difference you know Southern hospitality, invite people over to your house who look like you, act like you, talk like you, or are educated like you, have similar economic values as you, etc. Christian hospitality, all are welcome. There's a place at the table for everyone. Somebody says to me, You know who was over at my house last night? Lottie Da. Sometimes our values have no reflection at all, no reflection of all of the values and the witness of our Lord, the Prince of Peace." Sometimes we build walls around religious doctrines. You you saw those people passing out bulletins. You thought they were ushers. They were guards. Not really. But you go home this afternoon and you look in the New Testament To The third letter of John, back there near the end of the New Testament, John 3, chapter 1, verse 19, there is a man in that story called Diatrophes, and Diatrophes is an elder, a leader in the church, and you come up to the church, and Diatrophes is going to ask you a question, and unless you can answer the question to his satisfaction, you do not get admitted. You heard anything like that before? it still happens today There was a man who was shipwrecked on an island he was there by himself for uh, ten years and while he was there he decided he'd build a, a village like the one he left so, and so he got busy and finally after about ten years he was discovered And the rescuer came to get him, and he said to the rescuer, listen, I wanna show you this village that I built. It's like the one I came from. He said, before you take me away, I wanna show you this village. He said, over here you have a bank, over here you have a pharmacy, over here you have a school, over here you have a grocery, over here you have a church, over here you have a church. The rescuer said, wait a minute. You're the only one on the island, right? You got a church over here and a church over there. He said, yes, but I would never go to that church. Sometimes we build walls between us as churches because of our beliefs. My friends, there's a lot of conversation going on in the United Methodist Church. It's this very moment about the fear of us building walls within our denomination. And if you don't know about that, talk to your pastors and staff about that and become engaged in that conversation because God doesn't tolerate walls. Jesus doesn't want us to have walls. Well, I, I guess, I guess that that New England farmer is right. I guess some walls are just inevitable. It's just going to happen. I, I remember I was at University Church in Chapel Hill for eighteen years, and and one and one evening about nine thirty or ten o'clock, I, I was getting ready to leave the office. I went out and got in my car and. And our parking lot is right there. Our church is right there on Franklin Street. And so people tended to pull in there and park and hit Franklin Street for the rest of the night. I knew that. And so as I was getting in my car to drive out, there was a car came in and four guys got out of the car. And they were headed down our driveway to Franklin Street. It's okay. And so when I got to the driveway, I thought they would move over and let me by. But instead, they spread abreast, four abreast, and walked slowly to impede my exit. When I finally got down to the end of the drive where I could pass them, I was not feeling my normal, genuine, Christian-loving hospitality. <laughs> I, 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 I got right beside them, and I stopped my car, and I, I stared at them through the window, and then they spoke to me in words that I couldn't possibly use today and I wouldn't use them anyway and then they topped it off with a hand gesture and and I I, I thought I'm going to open this door and step out and let this five foot six frame (laughs) unfold but wisdom or maybe it was fear prevailed upon me and I stayed behind a locked door And I drove away from there, folks, not feeling very good. I didn't feel very good. That doesn't happen often when some barbarian crosses my path or somebody steps into my territory and is hurtful with words and language and I tend to want to run to the border and stand behind the fence and be defensive. Maybe you've had an impulse like that, too. Maybe you are just better a Christian than I am, but sometimes those impulses are right below the surface and it doesn't allow much to have them explode in a factory, in a school, in a chamber of government, in a church, they'd explode. But I would say all of us, the rest of us who try to be decent and civil, we have that same impulse. It's just buried deeper down there and then all of a sudden something happens and it comes out. And we don't feel very good about it. There's something in us that doesn't love a wall. And we say to ourselves, I don't like the feeling of this. I I, I don't want this enmity. I don't want this alienation, this estrangement to continue. I don't want this to continue. Well, I guess... I guess some walls are just inevitable. Uh, We can't be intimate with everyone. Some walls are just going to be there. But some of us, I'm included, have constructed some walls. We've said to some people, no trespassing. Don't cross this way. Uh, We've said, no more. Stay away. And we do it in such a way as it's an act of righteousness and we wear it like a badge of honor and we say to ourselves we'll never see them again it'll it'll go away we'll forget it but what happens it doesn't go away it lingers and it nips at us it bites at us and we know that there's something that doesn't love a wall and that's what Paul is talking about. That because of this Prince of Peace, this Christ who has brought us to be one, there's something in us that doesn't love a wall. This Christ, through the Holy Spirit, has made us connect with all. And the wonderful thing is, Paul says, you don't have to deal with these walls by yourself. That the Holy Spirit is working. On the person with the person that with whom you're estranged that when you show up to try to deal with a wall you'll discover God was already there working at times when we're not aware of it we have a wonderful doctrine in the United Methodist Church it's kind of unique to us it's called prevenient grace it means going before God going before God is going before us even working with us in our sleep, going before us to help dismantle a wall. We see it all over the place. You see it in this congregation. When barriers are erected, then you see all of a sudden barriers are beginning to be dismantled. My guess is, All of you are not related or connected to one family in this congregation. Not all of you are Smiths, right? But I bet you there are times when all of you behave as if you are one family. Because your name is Christian. And you are genuinely brothers and sisters in the true sense of the word there are people right now sitting on the pew with you sitting on your pew right now with you that would do anything for you because they carry the name of Christian but they don't carry your last name I bet you you and this congregation have given thousands of dollars to people all over the world including Lumberton and Princeville and all the victims of Matthew and you will never meet them face to face in your lifetime. What's afoot here? What's going on here? Is what Paul is saying. The Holy Spirit is working in you because we don't love a wall. We want to break apart those things that separate us. And that's what Paul says in the Corinthian letter. God reconcile. The world to himself through Christ and calls us to be ministers of reconciliation if the world is going to know peace if the world is going to know shalom it will know it because they see it in us it won't be easy there will always be the tension there will be the old voice the old voice will say Build a wall. Protect yourself. Don't get involved. And then there will be a newer voice that will say, this doesn't feel right. Life shouldn't be like this. Run the risk. Approach a wall. And when you do, you discover God was already at work. You know at Christmas we make a lot of lists, don't we? (laughs) May I suggest to you Make a list of the places where there's a wall in your life, in your community, in your world, and approach the wall. I remember the story about a feminist. She was a strong, ardent feminist. She began dating a man, and after a while, the relationship continued to grow and develop, and... She came in one night and said to her roommate, I have met the enemy, and he loves me. That's what can happen sometimes when we approach a wall with mutual respect and seek to really listen to one another. It was 1977. Egypt and Israel were carrying on shuttle diplomacy. Golda ear, and Anwar Anwar Sadat back and forth they were enemies and actually they had called for the killing of each other's children in 1977 Barbara Walters interviewed Golda Meir and Anwar Sadat in the same room just before Anwar Sadat came to the interview he had his first grandchild that was born In the interview, go to my ears, said to Mr. Sadat, Mr. Sadat, you used to call me the mean old lady. He smiled and nodded kind of nervously. And then she continued, I understand, I understand, your first grandchild was born just before you left to come here. And he nodded positively. And then she said I've been a grandmother for a while and I have I have brought a present for your grandchild and she leans forward with a present wrapped with a bow she leans forward toward Anwar she leans forward toward the wall and he leans forward to receive toward the wall the gift And as he receives it, you can notice that his chin trembles visibly. Unto you a child is born. Unto you a child is given. And the government shall be on his shoulder. And he will be called mighty God, wonderful counselor, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace, ah, who needs mistletoe?